Hello and welcome to the Sports Splits. Coming up on today's show, Newcastle are on the verge of joining the big time. We catch up with a takeover that may be completed by the time you're listening to this. Or it may have completely collapsed. The Cleveland Browns get new uniforms but may lose Odell Beckham. We catch up with the NFL, plus COVID news, match fixing and refreshingly empty stadiums. That's all coming up on Saturday's Sports Splits. And I hope we're all um, doing well today, obviously, uh, the strange world that we continue to live in. And I um, hope everyone's following the um, guidelines, staying healthy, and um, just trying to make the best of it. That's all we really can do at the moment. Just a few things um, to get through. Um, some okay, some less okay. Um, we're going to start. Jackie Robinson Day was on the 15th of April. Always worth celebrating, even if we can't actually physically go to uh, the ballpark even though I physically can't anyway because I live in Britain and I'm not flying to America for one baseball game um it's um it's it's always important to remember and it's also always important to remember the anniversary of Hillsborough on the same day April 15th and the 31st anniversary this year of um, 96 fans going to a football game and not coming back and um it's still just horrifying to think about and my thoughts and wishes and all of the thoughts and wishes of everyone at the sports blitz obviously go out to all families who will be grieving again as they do every year um von miller has tested positive for covid19 obviously our thoughts go out to him but um in bigger and um sadder news than just getting it norman hunter has passed away from the coronavirus Norman passed away aged 76 um, due to the coronavirus, had a 14-year career at Elland Road and um, nicknamed um, Bite Your Legs due to um, his style of play. Spent his entire time at Elland Road, never thought about leaving, won two First Divisions, one FA Cup, one League Cup, two Fairs Cups, a World Cup of England and he made 726 appearances in total and um, everyone, all clubs across the country, all footballing um, icons and members of the press sending their regards to Norman Hunter's family as they should. Andrew Hughes, the former Leeds player, said his passion for life and Leeds was incredible and inspiring, a true legend, thoughts with his family and friends. Uh, the England national team is ever extremely saddened to hear about it. Brian Dean, when I first joined the club, it's no secret I struggled to settle in. My mum used to listen to the games on the radio and she used to say, Brian, you've got a friend in Norman Hunter. Thank you, Norman, you wonderful man. And um, just to try and be um, a bit more uplifting because I, I, I tend to find in times of death, it's, um, it's important to remember um, life and celebrate life. Um, when Brian Clough first came to Leeds, he said, Hunter, you're dirty and everyone hates you. I know everyone likes to be loved and you'd like to be loved too, wouldn't you? To which Norman replied, actually, I couldn't give a... F-. And you can guess what that next word is, which just absolutely sums up um, Norman and uh, many other players in the Leeds team by then. But it's awful and our thoughts go out to his family. Um, a couple of other things I want to um, say before we get into the show. Um, I On Tuesday's show, we mentioned the um, 2012 Grand National. Actually, it was only on the podcast. But we mentioned the 2012 Grand National. And good God, I do not remember just how close it was. It was the closest finished in Grand National history. And oh boy, was it close. It was absolutely fantastic. There's a um, 
the full race on YouTube from Racing UK, and um, I would really recommend going back to watch it, especially just for finish, because the finish is spectacular in that race. And um, we might be doing our first non-sports article on the um, on the Sports Blitz blog soon about um, ITV's new drama Quiz, which um, finished this week, started and finished this week, three episodes, and was absolutely fantastic. But um, I do think that they're a bit lenient on Charles and um, Dana Ingram. Because, oh my god, were they so obviously guilty. And um, the episode 3 tries to portray, oh, but what if they're not? They obviously were. And I think there were a few key facts. Sorry, as I mess with a spoon in a cup. Um, I, I think there were a few key facts that were missing from that. Um, because it's not like between the Craig David question and the Baron Houseman question, there was absolutely nothing untoward happen. There was plenty of untoward happen. There was so much, there was so blatantly, obviously, um, cheating that it, it's unreal. And for that, I would really recommend, and I think it's online as well, the major fraud documentary, the Martin Bashir. I kind of mentioned it at the end of the show. But Martin Bashir's documentary for the Tonight programme um, that went through every single question and um, just proves beyond all doubt um, that they were cheating. I, I found it interesting that the defence's closing argument, in the show at least, was um, balance of probability. And, um, you know, there was far too much to doubt to, to say that the Ingrams were guilty. However, I would say that the other way because... Which is more probable that a game show and an entire one of the biggest channels in the UK put everything on the line to um, cause a massive um, it could to, uh, to start something that could massively damage their reputation if the Ingrams had been found not guilty? If they had been found not guilty, Millionaire wouldn't have existed anymore. Um, but so, so do they take that risk? Do IT, if, if ITV had been found to have made this up entirely, ITV wouldn't be on the air anymore. So do ITV risk that? Do, is, this, is there this massive, very, very high risk, very low reward conspiracy from ITV and Celador? Or maybe, just maybe, three idiots try to um, rig a game show, cheat on it, get a million pounds, and didn't do it in a smart way. I think it's the last one. So, anyway, I've been rambling enough about something that isn't sports um, now. Let's um, get into the actual show itself as Harry, Josh and Will join me to discuss all um, of the world of sports in the Sports Splits. Okay, joining me today, the three usual um, co-presenters that have been on all the Sports Splits in the past. Hello, Josh. Hiya. Um, how's everyone doing uh, this lockdown season? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's very lockdown fun. season. Honestly, I feel like the season's been getting a bit too long. I'd like to move to the playoffs and the championship just to see who wins this whole mm-hmm. thing. Uh, currently, of course, the United States is in the lead, and we're probably mm-hmm. going to run home with the entire thing. But uh, you know, there's always room for a last minute upset. It, it's been perfectly managed by the US. Hi, Will. Yeah. Hello from the United States. Hope you're it's not dead. No. No, not yet. You don't sound convinced. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I just, I've been existing in this kind of haze state of watching the American office and eating crisps. I mean, is that, that... a form of purgatory? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. I feel like I'm just, like, especially because I'm on the bad seasons of the office now, like towards the end. So I'm just going to get massively fat. 
I mean, I was more referring to dead on the outside at first, but it does also sound like you're dead on the inside. Yeah, yeah, that's really been yeah. the, the main thing. It's Harry dead on the inside. Me? Oh, definitely. Yay! Happy fun times. I've still got an essay to complete, so I'm still dead on the inside as well. Mm. So that's great. <clears throat> um, no, yeah. So, anyway, let's get into our first story of the day, then. And it's Jalen Green. Jalen Green, the... Um, the guy was going to be heading into college. I think he's still in high school, right? That, that's the only thing that makes sense. But he's going to be making the leap to the reshaped MBA professional pathway program, a, a um, an initiative, uh, uh, an initiative in the G League that will pay elite prospects five hundred thousand dollars plus and um, provide them a one-year development program outside of a minor league traditional team structure. So that's really interesting that the NBA are now putting a lot of money into would-be college players and willing to give them £500,000. It's also a chance for them to get endorsements, um, make appearances for money on um, TV shows and whatnot and um, receive an education up to, I believe, $125,000 extra at any college of their choosing. I guess the first question is, how should the NCAA be reacting to this? NCAA really should be, they shouldn't be that worried. College sports are so much of an institution to America. They have so much more of a local uh, tenor. Like, they have so much goodwill built up already among the places that surround these these college sports powerhouses that even if they start to create these prospects for minor league players unless it becomes a serious thing with serious ratings and they're able to convince people that this is a product worth watching they're not going to get anywhere right but surely this is going to um, convince a lot of the top prospects to skip college altogether and go to the g league maybe but that depends on the quality of coaching you know like there's not a lot of college uh, there's not a lot of prospects that can come directly out of high school and be good in the nba they still need time to develop and college still has the best coaches and the best infrastructure mm. you know if jalen green and this g league cannot create an environment where the players are going to better themselves yeah they'll get paid for a year but they're not going to see the level of development and maturity that they otherwise would if they went to a college system they had a college coach and they had that um you know kind of broader system around them that comes mm. with the the infrastructure yeah it does feel though that if the nba are willing to put five hundred thousand pounds or dollars and um, plus more into a college player they will be probably more than willing to give quite a lot of money as well to the coaches so yeah, it seems it's, it's just all about getting that infrastructure ready for a future run because I don't think anyone's worried about them challenging for the immediate season coming up, but for the next five, ten years as they get that infrastructure set up, do do they need to be looking to that future? And how if if the NCAA are worried um, about that future, how should they react? I mean, the NCAA essentially has no cards though because their entire method of doing business is dishonest. You know? Yeah. Like, the NCAA can't really go against this because they have no way to justify their own existence. Mm. They exist because no one else can challenge their dominance over sports in some areas. But if they are able to lure away some good college coaches, they are able to get good developmental people in, a more focused experience in a form of a, a kind of minor league 
arena where college pro where where elite prospects can prove themselves they can get the coaching they need they can get more focused classes on how to act as a pro how to be a pro how to manage your money how to not you know get involved in stupid drama and beef yeah that's extraordinarily valuable and it's better than getting you know a useless degree from a four-year institution that's never going to happen because Mm. you know that that has no ability to advance your prospects beyond the nba because they funneled you into all the easy classes in order to yeah swahili yeah it's always swahili but um i'll be honest i just want the ncaa to die yeah no <laughs> i'd nice. like to prance on their rotting corpse as much as anyone else but yeah they have a monopoly oh yeah absolutely absolutely um, it'll be interesting we'll to see how the NCAA respond, if they respond at all. They're, they're not exactly the, the most listening organization on the planet Earth. So I mean, no, obviously. That, that would rules be... are dumb and stupid. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go on to the next story then, and it concerns a takeover of Newcastle United. It looks like um, Newcastle United's takeover by essentially Saudi Arabia is going to go ahead. <laughs> there were worries that the human rights record of Saudi Arabia was going to derail the takeover for £300 million, but then worries sort of being cast away. The deal is com- expected to be completed by the end of the week. It could be completed by now. It could have completely collapsed, for all I know. So, first of all, We'll, we'll address the political elephant in the room, which is the fact that more and more um, foreign nations, um, especially those in the Middle East, seem to be getting involved in sports to sports to, to sports wash and to give themselves a much better reputation than they really deserve to have. Is this something... That, it's already infiltrated the Premier League. You know, you look at the takeover of Manchester City as a key example, but is this something the Premier League should be paying more of attention to? I guess it's an important thing for Newcastle itself that they regain that sort of that strength of you know name behind them that they had before when you know the days of Alan Shearer or whatever. But mm. um, I think in today's world where we scrutinise where the money's coming from a bit more, mm. it doesn't bode too well on them. And I think Newcastle is one of those old, sort of old school clubs that is probably not going to be proud of the fact that they've just been taken over Man City-esque, but will take mm. it with open arms because they're desperate, you know, for some success at last yeah. after so long out of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I do think it's uh, it's, it's not ideal in ter- if you were a Newcastle fan in sort of, you know, if you look at the, the reputation of of that nation and what that could mean and where this money come from. But I think we'd have to be a bit naive to say that that's an exceptional case. I think with, you know, most owners of most football clubs, obviously incredibly wealthy, there's going to be some morally dubious practices. Uh, obviously, Saudi Arabia is the cream of the crop with that. Um, it's it's a bit dodgy, and it, well, you know, it's completely dodgy, actually, so to speak, but I think we'd be na- naive to say that things like this aren't going to go through. So, yeah. you know, going on the basis that, it, that the deal will be completed, I think it's... I think the top six should be really, really worried, really, yeah. really worried, because this is a club which has already got a fantastic stadium. It's a, you know, a one-club city, really good infrastructure, yeah. a, a fantastic fan base, home and away. There's not much investment you need in that sort of side of it. Yeah, absolutely. And the potential That's to grow, idea. you know, I'd say if Newcastle do Man City, I would not be surprised at all. 
Yeah, absolutely. I do want to talk about um, Newcastle United's fans some more, though, because the response to people who bring up concerns about the Saudi Arabia regime online, um, immediately, it's not all the fan base, it's not even a majority of the fan base, but there is a response of, A, you didn't point this out in the past with the takeovers of other clubs, and B, why are you doing it now that good time's going to come back to my team? It's, it's very worry that and I've noticed it as a Leeds fan, obviously, with all the rumours linking us to um, Qatar. Um, is there, should football fans really be focused on the success of their club on the pitch and more focused on who the actual buyer is? I mean, you have to think about it now. They've got um, Mike Ashley, who is, mm. you know, as bad as it comes in this country. I mean, yeah, but... he's, he's been called out on so many things in this country alone. It's, now, obviously... Human rights breaches in Saudi Arabia are yeah. completely different and on a completely horrific level. But, you know, it's not like they've got the golden boy as their owner right now. It um, doesn't feel like that Mike Ashley has beheaded anyone yet, though. No, that's I'm just going to guess. Or, you know, taking anyone's hands off, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it's it's a bit... I mean, obviously, there's going to be criticism now, I think. Yeah. People probably were not expecting the Man City effect. To happen and when it did everyone suddenly you know crying about man city ruining football which you know quite frankly a lot of people agree the level of spending and all the sort of back channeling things that may or may not have happened which got them the way for ban um yeah it's yeah there's, there's there needs to be more openness in how the money is coming in and how it's being spent and used because otherwise it's just you're going to get a, a point where Everton are now beginning to really pump money into that club. Mm. Uh, the Everton owners. Uh, Leicester, they're continuing the work they're doing, and because of how well they're doing as um, a club, you know, overachieving, they're able to put more, more money in. Wolves are the same. There's a number of clubs that are seriously just starting to pump money in. And there's going to come a point where, you know, you might find uh, Arsenal are in a relegation battle. Because they just can't. Oh, keep that'd up. be funny. It would be funny, but yeah. it'd be terrible for. Well, football. they can't spend that much money because um, somebody's got to pay Jared Goff's contract, which we will get onto <laughs> later on in the show. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, interesting. If, if you want a good read, um, then I would really recommend from the Guardian um, Barney Ronay's article: "Exit the House of Carrymore, Enter the Austere and Unforgiving House of Saud." Because that um, it, it was a really good read um, last night. I really recommend it. We will um, because obviously Newcastle fans will be fed up if any of them listen to this. They don't. Um, if um, they would be fed up though with us just talking about Saudi Arabia and not talking about um, the effect it could have on the pitch. First of all, no Joe Ellington, which would probably be a godsend. But second of all, the return of Rafa Benitez. Um, I can't remember the name of the woman who's meant to be fronting the deal. Amanda but, Stavely. Yes. That she has made no secret of the fact that she wanted Rafa Benitez to stay at the club. And um, there have been murmurs that when, if and when the takeover goes through, it's almost inevitable that Rafa Benitez would be going back to Newcastle to manage. Um, what do we make of that? I mean, that's, that's good because I think he was a very good manager for them. Um whether he's available or wants to move and leave China is another matter. Um, I think at times Rafa was given quite a bit of stick by the fans and other times he was adorned like a hero simply because of the fact... It's, it's Newcastle who's going to get stick. Yeah, you're always going to get stick. It's a, that's the thing when you've got best part of 50,000 in the stands and a mm. city watching you 
yeah. you know, under a microscope. And they're they're um, fantastic. They're some of the most passionate fans in the country at Newcastle. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, up there with the likes of Leeds and the Manchester yeah, fans. Absolutely. Um, and the Liverpool fans, Everton fans. So it's it'd be interesting to see if Rafa was to return. But you know, we've heard other things about managers as well, which I'm sure we're going to move on to in a moment. Um, yeah. But it'd be interesting to see what happened. I'd feel bad for Steve Bruce. Yeah. But One person. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah, Steve Bruce, Alan Pardew, Sam Allardyce, they've all had their time. Well, you've said him, and um, Sam Allardyce has come out in quite vehement support of Steve Bruce, saying that he um, he plays a much better brand of football than Rafa does. He gets unfair criticism from um, the Newcastle fans, and fundamentally, he said, I find Rafa's... Um, football to be too defensive. Now, this coming from Sam Allardyce one is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it, Someone else's football is more defensive. Than yeah, mine. it's ten times worse than the pot calling the kettle black. But um, it, it was interesting because somebody has just posted Steve Bruce's attacking stats whilst manager Newcastle, and they're nineteen in goals. 20th in expected goals, 20th in shots, 20th in opposition box touches, and 20th in possession. And if you don't know, the Premier League has 20 teams in it. So, Mm. I mean, it can't get more defensive than that. Absolutely, it's a miracle than I'm a relegation. So, they play every game to draw, essentially, is what that makes it look like. And then it's not far off wrong. Uh, Yeah, and and the funny thing is, is you look at, I always talk about this because I just rant on about it, but you look at St. James's Park. It's quite a big football pitch. That sort of ground suits the styles that we associate with Guardiola and uh, Sarri, that sort of, and that, that sort of expansive style of football. So it would only make sense if they've got the money to bring in the players and the manager that they could simply just become that sort of a team. It's yeah. not like, you know, they need to play defensive football. You try and play solid defensive football at St. James's Park, it's not going to happen because it's such a big pitch. You can do yeah. that at Craven Cottage or Selhurst Park or Stamford Bridge because it's so much thinner and compact. But, yeah. Sam Allardyce, he's only trying to defend that, I, I reckon, because the times of that style of management Sam Allardyce is talking about. Gone. Unfortunately, They're gone. Yes. Yeah. Thank the Lord. Okay, let's move on then to the NFL. Lots more stuff going on in the NFL. And we'll start with Tua, who um, many people during the NFL season said that they wanted to tank for Tua. Now Tua is tanking himself. His draft stock is apparently plummeting. So much so that the latest mock draft reports um, have the Dolphins choosing not to draft him. Which is quite surprising. And him going... um, further down the draft board. Um, it seems like the reason is that his injuries are seem to be much worse now than it was before. Somebody, um, I'm trying to find out who it, who it was, um, former GM Mike Lombardi, I think, said, it's not just his hip, it's his ankle, his wrist. He broke his wrist on the first day of spring ball one year, then he fixed it, then he came back, then he broke it again. I mean, he's brittle. He is brittle, you can't deny it. Um, so... This is very interesting. The man we expected to go first of all before Joe Burrow came along and like just became very vague on what he wanted. Um, it seemed like he was going to go first before that. And are, are we surprised that this evaluation has come so close to the draft? Uh, sort of yes, yes, because no. it's... <sighs> mm. Yeah, go for it, Will. Yeah, like, 
No, yeah. So it's weird that it's come this close to the draft because it feels like teams should have been doing their due diligence beforehand. They should have been holding meetings with him. They should have been really examining and thinking to themselves like, okay, what does it mean if we're going to draft Tua and how is that going to work long term? At the same time, with how screwed up this whole timeline has been now, it doesn't surprise me that we're only starting to get some of the information that maybe the teams would have normally used to set them up on their draft board earlier. Um, it is unfortunate. I think Tua is a very talented player. I think that if he falls to the Patriots, all hope will be gone from this universe <laughs> and will just collapse into a uh, sun. But yeah, that's about the long and the short of it for me. So is Roger Goodell hiding in his basement just in case um, Tua is actually drafted by the Patriots? So oh, he's already no. like... Whoa, no, no, no. <laughs> just... Uh, God damn it, yeah. we wanted more competition. Uh, we were so it's... close. We were almost free. Uh, is this a mock draft? Because it's a very bad... Oh, it's a team-by-team oh, team mock draft. That's stupid. Mm. Bad idea. So I'm trying to find where he's commonly expected to go by anyone with a brain. Did, did anyone see Maurice Jones-Drew's mock draft? Because, good God, was it dreadful. It was so uh, no, badly... No, I have Go and look at Maurice... Not now. But go and look at Maurice Jones-Drew's um, mock draft because it was beyond wrong. Um, anyway, um, we'll move on to the next story then. Um, the Vikings and Browns are apparently discussing a trade that will send um, Odell Beckham Jr. to Minnesota for second and fifth round pick next year. That came from Mark Malasis. Um Well, first of all, we'll just say that Paul DePotesta, um, former Moneyball man, said, um, quote, in short, I will say it's completely false. Um, I, I don't know what his job is now. Is he the director of football operations, something like that? But... Um, what what do we make of the idea of Beckham going to the Vikings? Do the Vikings really want that sort of smoke, so to speak? I mean, um, you have to say he's a bit of a, a drama queen. It's whilst he's completely talented, it's the baggage that he brings with him. Do they do they need or want that? I mean, you know, exceptional wide receiver, sure, but you know, you've got to balance that out, I suppose. Hmm. I mean. Look, he's basically less crazy Antonio Brown. Yeah. He's and I think a talented. lot of teams I think a lot of teams are willing to take that talent, give it to someone with a better arm than Baker Mayfield, and you know, watch what can happen. Mm. Oh, it's just for Chief um Paul DePest is the Chief Strategy Officer, by the way, for the Cleveland Browns. Um What does yeah. that even mean? He 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 does strategy, I guess. Yeah, he finds marketing. He finds marketing efficiencies and buys them. Yeah, get that um Hetterberg back. He's good. Sorry, that was a baseball joke. Um, Dave Justice as well. He's good. That was another baseball joke. It wasn't even a joke. It just it was just naming a baseball player from years ago. Um, Fair enough. But um, so like on a scale of one to ten, how realistic do we think this is? Despite despite the fact that Chief Strategy Officer says, in short, I will say it's completely false. Which honestly makes me think it's more possible than it would have been otherwise. Um, I think that you give him and Baker Mayfield one more year to really prove themselves with a new coach. If they don't kill each other. Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, basically. Um, 
And if he doesn't do well this year with the Browns, and the Browns have, once again, a very disappointing season, um, I think that we start to see maybe rumors of him getting traded. Yeah. I would love to see him come back to the Giants for like a fifth or something. That uh, would be hilarious. Funny because I think that he might actually get along with Daniel Jones, but, mm. you know, who knows. He doesn't check down constantly. Yeah. So that's good. Um, in other Browns news, new uniforms are out. Yay! Um, what do we make of the new uniforms? Because I'll be honest, I quite like them. I'm looking yeah, they're at them pretty now. nice. Yeah. They're just... Yeah. They're more like uh, the uniforms they first had when they came back. Uh, but mm. they're a bit more cleaned up. They're a bit modernised. And yeah. Where does this uh, Who's Will Always Be come from? Oh, yeah, right. So David Roth, who is a man on Twitter, said, The uniforms look cool, but I think, quote, who will always be, end quote, is probably a phrase to avoid if you're the Cleveland Browns and you're trying to get your fans put up. Absolutely. Which is something I yeah. agree with, because I was on all of their Twitter stuff. It was, um, all, uh, this is who will always be. That's, no, I mean, I would like it. It doesn't instill you with confidence. No, not exactly. Fun, no. Which is the, um, the first kid? The brown one. Okay, that makes sense. I was thinking it can't be the white one, surely. No. It's going to be like, you know... It's not, like, striking. You don't go, wow, yeah, but that's you, No, you should see what they had before. Because what they had before was dreadful. And compared to Atlanta's kit, it is actually quite nice. Because Atlanta's so kit is also 20, dreadful. Their 2019 uniform. Um... Yeah, twenty what was it twenty thirteen? I think they bought them in the one with Cleveland along the front in orange. Oh yeah, no, I see it. Which is just yeah, that's um. Mm. Yeah, they're they're complete garbage. Yeah, um, that's up there with Southampton's home kit. You do not like that Southampton home kit. I do not kit. like that kit <laughs> a bit. Anyway, um, so yeah, if we were to rank all three of the new uniforms that we've seen thus far, um, that oh, being God. Atlanta, it's fine, you don't need to rank them. Atlanta, um, Cleveland, and the other team. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, Thanks. thank you. Um, where do we rank them for second, third? Atlanta first. Really? Cleveland second, huh. Tampa Bay first. Uh, oh no! Actually, no. Bucks, Bucks second, Cleveland third. Right, because I'm gonna. I think it has to be Bucks first, Browns second, Falcons third. Yeah, I'm gonna misquote Moneyball. There's the Bucks first, then there's the Browns second, then there's fifty feet of poo, yeah. and then there's the Falcons, which is so ridiculously, monstrably bad. It makes Southampton's kit look like the best thing I've ever seen. It's a fade. I like, I fade like the fade. It's Freddy, so uh, bad. It's as fade as bad as the uh, skin fades that people have been getting in quarantine. Yeah. It's, see, not, it's not good. Lads. See, the thing is, is it looks like either A, your trousers are far too high up, which is not a good look. It makes you look like Simon Cowell. Or B, that, um, that you've like had an ink accident or something and the colouring's all van weirdly. No, not Tam nice. Ta Tampa not Bay. Like What's their first kit? The red one? Yes. That's just classic. It's it's proper. It's nice. And again, like Cleveland, compared it's to the kids... Bo it's boring. It's not boring. It doesn't... You see it, you just go... Mm. And compared to the kids they've just had, which were almost as bad as Atlanta's, obviously not that bad. Okay, but, and who are the Cleveland Browns? 
Anyway, yeah, awful, 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 awful. Anyway, so next story. Um, Dak Prescott has apparently been missing preseason meet. Oh, by the way, the Colts are apparently going to legal trouble with that new logo because it is exactly the same as a high school logo. Yep. Um, mentioned but, that last week. Great on them. Yep. Fantastic. Not last week. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Nice um, job, Dak guys. Prescott has been missing preseason meetings. Obviously, he's. Um, I don't think he's had a new contract signed yet. Has it been from the franchise tag? I need to keep up. But. Um, do, what do we make anything of this? Because there was a big fuss last year about Ezekiel Elliott training by himself, and then that just turned into nothing. Um, but do we think this could be something a bit more serious? I mean, quite possibly. I mean, obviously, he's not happy. Still not getting his money. He lost a lot of my sympathy last week when he decided to hold that house party. Yeah. Um. So honestly, at this point, he can suck eggs for all I care. Nice. Bit worried what you're going to say then. <laughs> um, and also, Ian Rappaport said the Patriots will use a premium pick on a quarterback, and Brian Hoyer will likely be the starter. D- d- don't do that. Why Brian Hoyer? Why has anyone ever picked Brian Hoyer? Ever. Then again, then again, he nearly embarrassed us if it wasn't for an Adam Vinatieri missed field goal in um, yeah. the game against Colts last year. So that would have been fun. Um, did I mean, did throw a 98-yard interception return for touchdown to... No. Yes. No. Who's was going to say it? Please don't. I'll say it then. Minka! I love him. Absolutely love him. Okay, then. Um, before Josh kills me, let's move on. Right, because it will not go away and because we cannot avoid it, unfortunately, as much as I would like to, let's do a bit of COVID catch-up. Yay! Fun. Major League Baseball is participating in a massive coronavirus antibody study with up to 10,000 tests taken nationwide over the next two days. Um, That was, I think, yesterday, so we're into day one or day two. Um, Research results will offer a far better understanding of how coronavirus spreads. Um, This is just... Good publicity for MLB. And good that they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially because this hopefully helps them to sweep all of the other stuff that was going on in the MLB right before all of this went down under the rug. <laughs> yeah, it won't. Please forget about it. Please. I mean, yeah, they won't. Yeah, but, it won't. You know. um, in football, Bundesliga originally planned to restart in May without fans, but um, still hit by an order which denies large public gatherings until August in Germany. Though but apparently it's getting better and they plan to start partially opening up the country um, in the coming weeks, so that's good to hear. I mean, just even for people who are really diehard about football, who's willing to risk going to it Oh no, it'll be behind closed doors. No, they've yeah. said it'll be behind closed doors. I actually oh. think one thing about sport which is one it's just like if it could happen behind closed doors i'd take it now yeah i know people i'm, I'm desperate about the fans we just need yeah. something to keep us going i mean i've been getting giddy by the prospect of a football manager tournament like involving real clubs so <laughs> i need this Our standards have dropped haven't they yeah considerably yeah yeah, I would, have, I would have really turned my nose up to her and just gone, I'll just play football manager myself. Um, Jimmy Greaves is recovering in hospital, so that's good to hear, obviously, um, with the bad news we mentioned at the start, start of the show with Norman Hunter. Um, it's nice to see that Jimmy Greaves is recovering. Man United have paid tribute to NHS workers at Old Trafford by um, removing all the letters in Manchester 
or sorry, not illuminating them, but except for N, H, and S. So that's very nice of them. Um, Partick Fist will say they will not take legal action against the SPFL's resolution to end the lower league seasons in Scotland, despite believing they have the option to do so. Partick Fist will have been relegated from the Championship after Dundee changed their vote to a yes and passed the plans to um, finish the season as is and have promotion and relegation stand as is. Bournemouth have become the latest club to reverse their furlough decision, um, obviously following Tottenham and Liverpool. I bet Newcastle haven't. Hmm. And um, in the EFL, they've confirmed all remaining games will be streamed live or on TV or online. Chairman Rick Parry says that, um, quote, plans continuing to be worked up for all games to be broadcast either via our broadcast partners, iFollow or equivalent club streaming services, end quote. Which is really good. I want football. I'm just fed up. Really fed up. <laughs> um, the NHL side in Seattle have donated a million dollars to... COVID-19 relief, and um, that comes despite not even having a team name yet, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, at, at least it does show they've got their priorities the right way around. And in other sports, there is a new hope that cycling will begin in September with Le Tour de France starting in September, that the Giro d'Italia will begin in October, and the Vuelta d'Espagne will begin in November. The PGA Tour is set to return in June with no spectators, and Dr. Anthony Fauci thinks sports could return sooner than expected to empty stadiums and he's not just saying that because Donald Trump has been moaning about watching 14 year old baseball games hopefully but you know that is definitely the reason yeah uh, I, I love how um, and sorry this uh, this has been a very political episode of sports but I like how he, he said that he said I've been watching just loads of 14 year old baseball games and he immediately reversed saying I mean obviously I've not been watching that many I've been working really hard which you know yeah. We won't make any comments about any political leaders, but... <laughs> anyway, Will, you have an update on Overwatch. I have an update on Overwatch. It has been going on, and we finally got to see the Asian teams, which was really, really nice. Uh, I think that yesterday was a very interesting match. We saw the Los Angeles Gladiators versus the Los Angeles Valiant. The Valiant have done a surprisingly good job this year of not being terrible like everyone expected them to be uh and played a very interesting composition against the los angeles gladiators despite the gladiators winning they took to twitter afterwards some of the players to complain about the dishonest compositions played by the los angeles valiant so nice move there guys makes it look real classy uh because there are such things as dishonest ways to play the game <sighs> i sure i guess um, barring that, the Asian scrim bubble has finally been revealed with Shanghai and Seoul seeming to take the top spots in that region. Uh, New York and London have both relocated to South Korea, which is probably a good move because New York City and London are both not doing great right now during coronavirus, so South Korea is probably the safer place for them. Barring that, uh, we're seeing not a lot of crossplay between regions, obviously, because of, uh, ping issues as matches have been moved online, but we look forward to seeing how everything works out in the future with regards to the different teams. Brilliant. Okay, so we're going to bring back a segment we um, used on a beautiful pre-game um, last term, a, a show I didn't expect to only last three episodes, but it turns out it, it probably will have by the time we finish um, university, but it's time for... Um, random fixture review this time. So last time um, we did fixtures were on this day. We're not doing that this time because it gives us 
many more options. And um, you'll see, um, if you go onto the sportsblitzblog.wordpress.com, there's an article up already about it, so give that a read if you um, haven't yet. Um, so how um, how we did this, um, I used um, the same wheel we used for argument wheel to pick a season, a random season, and then pick a month in that season, and then pick a match week in that season. And so it's it's not actually on the website if someone's typing. Oh, because I'm not that stupid. Oh, oh. mistakes <laughs> okay. were made. I'm not going to give you scores. So or the whole point is that you don't know what the scores are and you guess, Harry. Okay. It'd be quite a boring oh. guessing game if you knew the answers. True. Right, come on. Let's is this do the it. same right. game so, where I got Leeds five nil at the end? Uh, yes, the this end. is the exact yeah. same game where you got Derby nil, Leeds five, spot on somehow. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, have a listen to that clip if you haven't. By the way, it's on the Sports Splits blog. Um, but so this um, week I spanned the wheel. It landed on two thousand and one two, and then I span it again. It landed on January, and so we are doing January first. 2002, the day that the Euro came into circulation is the day we're going to review. We're also going to review the games from the 2nd of January as well. Um, looking at the league table, um, going into this, um, so I'll give you a read out of the league table first. Arsenal were leading the way on 39 points, with Newcastle 2nd also on 39, Leeds 3rd on 38, um, Liverpool 4th, 37, Man United 5th, 36, and Chelsea 6th on 33. I am... Um, and just bragging about the fact that Leeds were above us. Hey, um, I'm quite happy. With... Flex. I'm not yeah. gonna lie to you. <laughs> we were good once. And at the bottom of the league, um, Leicester City on 16 points. Ipswich Town surprisingly there on 18 after finishing fifth the year before. Um, Derby 18th on 19, as were Southampton and Middlesbrough also on 19 points. And then all of the midfield, you'll be able to see. On the article. Right, so um, to pre randomly predict these games, we're going to be going in alphabetical order, um, starting with the home team. And that means we start at the Valley Charlton Athletic versus Ipswich Town. I would predict. Are we, we're predicting, aren't we? Yeah, we're I'm, predicting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would predict Charlton Athletic to. Beat Ipswich Town by how many goals are they scoring? I'm gonna say two goals to nil. Two nil. I'm gonna go with uh, three goals to one. Three one. Okay, so um, same with our lightning predictions league. One point for the correct um, result. Three points for the correct score. I'll be honest. I'd be surprised if I've you got this right, but you have got the correct um, result. Charlton three, Ipswich Town two. One of the better games. I'll be honest. That's I'm, a close one for the ages. I'm, I need to share Paul Weaver's review of the game from The Guardian that day. Um, he said, quote, This extraordinary match was a folly fest, so riddled with frantic error and comic mishap that it resembled one of those seasonal video, video blooper compilations. The crowd of 25,893 was the biggest at the Valley since 1977, and it whooped with delight one minute and shouted with horror the next, just like a panto audience should. It was an incredible game. Um, I'm not going to do this for every game, but we need to for this one. Um, Ipswich um, took the lead um, in, after 54 seconds through Marcus B. 
bent. And then went 2-0 up in the fifth minute. Um, Charlton um, pulled one back on 16 minutes. Scott Parker, who was man of the match, um, got the second goal on 32 minutes. And then Jason Ewell scored the winner on 61 minutes. Um, Alan Kirbisley called it a fantastic game. He had everything. You couldn't write a script like that. And I, um, I fully agree with him. Because, um, yeah, really good game. Next to Stamford Bridge, Chelsea versus Southampton. Hmm. I will go for a. Oh, hello. Uh, Chelsea two, Southampton one. Chelsea two, Southampton one. Um, Chelsea actually doing uh, scoring a fair amount, not conceding uh, that many. Actually, surprisingly, so two uh, 0 uh, Chelsea. Two 0 Chelsea. See, here's the thing um, about Chelsea in two thousand and two under Claudio Ranieri. Very good against the higher sides in the league. Not so good against the strugglers. Chelsea 2, <laughs> Southampton 4. Uh, <laughs> four goals conceded by... What What did you call them, Josh? Really good at defending. Well, I'm just looking at the stats and they've only, they've only conceded 16, which is... Yeah. Uh, 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 the lowest in the entire league. Yeah, and then this game happened... Um, not not great. I believe there were three so goals in twelve bad minutes. No, no, it really isn't. Uh, um, but yeah, Ranieri, why you do this to me? Yeah, and this 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 is why they weren't really in the title race by the end of the year. Is they just kept underperforming to teams they really should have been beating. And um, was that the year Ranieri lost his job? I think it was the year after, wasn't yeah. it? I don't think was it? he was there that long. Yeah. Um, but okay, we're going to the next game then. Anfield, Liverpool versus Bolton. Where are Bolton? Over down there. Um, <laughs> That's really not that surprising. No. Nah. Ooh, two teams who you probably say are not in the best of form. Absolutely. I'm going to go with draw. One draw. all. One all draw. I think I'll join you with that one. Yeah, that's quite sound. And we've got our first correct prediction of um, the afternoon. It was Liverpool 1, Bolton 1. Now, um, stop me if you heard this one before, but Sam Allardyce decided to play a stifling defensive game that gave Bolton just one point in the end at Anfield. Uh, I know, shocking Allardyce playing defensive football. You'd think, um, you know, he's not a Rafa Benitez, so you think he'd be more attacking. But, um, yeah... They just frustrated Liverpool for about 90 minutes. And it was Kevin Nolan, the Liverpool oh. fan and academy graduate, who got the leveller. I think um, Steven Gerrard was the player who gave them the lead. Um, yeah, um, Liverpool really poor on the form going into the game. And many questions were asked afterwards as to how Liverpool would do. And of course, I think they finished third at the end of the year. Middlesbrough versus Everton at the Riverside. By the way, both of you are on four points. Mm, I've noticed. <laughs> okay, so two teams again who are not in the best of form and then suddenly pulled it back in their previous games. This is big stuff. Uh, Middlesbrough do seem to have a nasty habit of conceding, as do any team really in the bottom half of the table, but in particular Middlesbrough. Um, so I'm going to go with a... Ooh, how many did they score? Let's go with a 3-1 victory to Everton. 3-1 victory to Everton. Mm. Uh, ooh. Away as well. 2-1 uh, Everton. But Two... I have a gut feeling this is 
quite wrong. You've thrown two one Everton as well. Um, so uh, it, it probably wasn't the best game. Not much to write home about, but it was Middlesbrough who got all three points. One nil winners against Everton, and um, if I remember correctly. Um, the only goal of a came came from Gianluca Fester, who appeared in his first game since April. And that sends a shudder down my back, as it should every single Leeds fan. <clears throat> if you haven't yet, go and look at Mad Friday um, at Leeds United, um, when Cholino thought he'd bought the club and immediately sacked the manager. And uh, even though he didn't own the club, and couldn't sack the manager, because he had no right to. Um, but Walter Smith's side, Everton started to fall towards relegation places. There, real enough to write home about. But I tell you what, I take it now. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. all those uh, super super Sundays that we moaned about with like you know I don't know Burnley versus I don't know Fulham or something like that on, and you know moaning about those are the fixtures on television now. I'd do anything for a, yeah. you know, a scrappy nil-nil draw at Turf Moor, to be honest with you. Yeah, I tell you what, you might even do something for this. Sunderland versus Aston Villa. <laughs> Stadium of Light. Ooh, Villa are half-decent at this point, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I'm, it's at the Stadium of Light. I'm going to go for a 2-0 uh, victory to Villa. 2-0 victory to Villa? 2-1. Uh, Villa, yeah. 2-1 Villa. Villa actually only drew with Sunderland that day. Um, it should have gone better for Sunderland. They got a penalty after 15 minutes. Um, Kevin Phillips shot saved by Peter Smeichel. Who remembers Peter Smeichel at Villa? Um, then Claudio Reyna was stretched off. But um, Ian Taylor's um, goal for Villa cancelled out by um, Emerson Fawn. So, you know, that's... That's good for him. Um, Tottenham versus Blackburn, White Hart Lane. Both on four points still. Jeez, I mean, Tottenham have not been in good form, and there's no way of putting it. Blackburn have not been in good form either. Um, it was White Hart Lane. Yes. It's going to be... I'm going to go for a 1-0 victory to Spurs. 1-0 victory to Spurs. Slightly more confidence in uh, Spurs there. 2-0. Uh, 2-0. You really shouldn't have been. Tottenham won Blackburn nil. Um, Andy Cole um, <gasps> joined Blackburn just before this game. 7.5 million. Um, but Blackburn still lost their sixth game in um, seven. Uh, they did put up a good fight. They probably deserved a point. Um, but Dean Richards gave me on the goal of the game and um, don't worry though if you're a Blackburn fan you feel sad they did get their revenge they beat Tottenham 2-1 in the League Cup final at the Millennium Stadium later on in the year um, okay so that's seven points. final game of the day I, I yeah um, Harry on seven <laughs> Josh on five I, I do need to clarify um, Arsenal versus Leicester was called off due to a waterlogged pitch final game of the day Leeds versus West Ham at Elland Road it's just going to get it right again. West Ham actually aren't doing too badly, are they, at this yeah, point? Yeah, they've um, had some solid, solid... I'd say... I'm going to go for... Yeah, I'm still going to go with my gut. I'm going to say Leeds 3, West Ham 1. Leeds 3, West Ham 1. 
Uh, 2-1 leads. 2-1 leads. And um, in one of the bigger games of the day, Leeds won 3-0 at home oh, to West no. Ham. I was going to go 3-0 <laughs> as well. <laughs> the weird thing is, is that um, Leeds had um, played West Ham on New Year's Day exactly 10 years before, and a win had given them another three points on the path to becoming champions, and it might have seemed like um, history was Peter itself at Elland Road that day, because Leeds went top due to that win. Uh, Mark Baduka scoring two of the exact same goals on the, in the fourth and seventh minutes, and then Robbie Fowler... Um, Brilliant chip from the edge of the box. Um, his sixth goal in five games is eleven million pound um, price tag. Really looked worth it at this point. It wasn't deceptive at all that scoreline. And um, I, I, um, I, this is how I ended the review. Leeds dominated the game, and the future at Elland Road looks bright. Spoiler: It wasn't, because that's exactly accurate. Okay, going into Sunday's games, Harry has eight points. Um, could have been ten if he'd said nil. Oh. Um, Josh has six. Two more games to go. And um, we're going to start off at... Um, what's it called back then? Pride Park. A Derby versus Fulham. Okay, it's so Derby who have been doing mediocre. And Fulham who have been doing mediocre. Um, <laughs> game of the ages. This one's a game of the ages, is it? A real cracker. Hmm. Just on paper. Absolute game of the ages. Yeah. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. At Pride Park, is it? Nil-nil. Um, yeah. Nil-nil. You know, it felt like that, but actually Fulham got a one-nil win. Um, oh. it, it's absolute... At this point, I'd kind of given up on writing reviews because, good God, this, this game boring. Um, only goal came from um, Horatio Carbonari. That's his name. Um, putting it past Martin Poom into his own goal. So, awesome. And then, arguably the game of around the most interesting one, Manchester United versus Newcastle at Old Trafford. Ooh. That's an interesting 2001 one. 2001-2, because... right? Yeah. Both uh, teams unbeaten Newcastle in four games. go top with a win. Man United, I think, would go second with a win. United it's the team that's unbeaten for form. five versus the team unbeaten for four. United heavily scoring what forty eight to thirty. It's a high. It's got to be high scoring. Yeah. Let's go for a Jimmy Conrad two two. Two two. Uh, I'm gonna say three two United. Um, three two. Yeah. Um. Well. Um. Harry didn't get it right. <sighs> Josh, if you've got the score spot on, you win. You know that. Manchester like... United oh. 3 Newcastle United 1 ah! So close So Does that close mean? Yep, Harry wins ca- By my calculations we win the world championship by one point Yes, absolutely <laughs> Kimmy. Um, Interestingly, um, going through the articles on this uh, Manu- um, Alex Ferguson was seriously considering leaving at the start of the year uh, Was very, very close and um, had written the team off completely. I bet he didn't after they'd won their sick from the bounce against um, fellow contenders. Um, two goals from Paul Scholes and um, Ruvan Nistelroy um, gave Man United 3-0 lead. Alan Shearer scoring later on. Um, and the question at the end of the game, would anyone be able to stop red-hot Manchester United? Yes. 
um, Arsenal won the league at the end of the year. So they were the games from um, that fixture in the Premier League. I can't remember what match week it was now. Um, 20, was it? 21. Match week 21, and at the end of it, it was Leeds United who led the table on 41 points and then completely collapsed. Uh, Man United second on 39, Arsenal who hadn't played third on 39, Newcastle fourth on 39, Liverpool fifth on 38, um, Chelsea sixth on 33, Tottenham seventh on 31. The um, rest of the table can be found on sportsplitsblog.wordpress.com. Why uh, Arsenal played? Um, Waterlogged pitch. Against oh, Leicester. No, sure. So yeah. Leicester was still bottom on 16 as a result. Ipswich on 18. Derby on 19. Middlesbrough on 22. Blackburn 22. Bolton 23. Everton 23. Um, reading the table upwards. Uh, you can see that table in full on sportsplitsblog.wordpress.com. Okay, we're going to move on to a new segment now on Sports Splits called Kick Clash. And um, over the next few weeks, we will be going up and down the country, up and down the top four tiers of the um, English league system to find out which team we think have the best home kit. Home kit just because it, it's easier that way. Um, so, we're starting today with the League 2 heat. And this is how it's going to work. We're going to narrow it down to four good kits and um, two bad kits. We'll have this done for all four leagues. And then we're going to have an elimination tournament. 16 kits going in for the best kit in the country. Eight kits going in for the worst kit in the country. So, starting with League 2 today. Four places for the best kits and um, two for the worst kits. We'll start off with best kits. And um, we'll start off by um, individually reading them. Although, I do have to say already that four kits have two votes each. And um, all the others have one. There have been a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve kits um, listed. It's interesting that we share views and then obviously completely disagree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alex, why don't you go with yours first? Okay, so I went for Forest Green's kit first, the Green Zebra kit, which I just absolutely love. Also, uh, environmental uh, kit, because it's made 50% using um, um, an environmental, uh, a nice material. Bamboo, um, bamboo yeah, 50% bamboo. Mm. Um, my next kit is uh, Mansfield, because I like the kind of rugby-style design. Um, very good on that one. Newport. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll get on to it. Newports is next. Um, a nice um, honeycomb style design and also obviously no sponsor on it, which I am a big fan of. Yeah. And finally, Salford City. So there's just something about Kappa kits. Ooh. And uh, it's one of them that um, the website we're using, by the way, historicalkits.co.uk. Uh, it sort of does an injustice to it. It looks a bit better in um, real life. And it was between that and Leighton Orient. But I've decided not to go for Leighton Orient because it's got a sun sponsorship on it. And fight me. Um, anyway, who wants to go next? Yeah, I'll go well, next, I guess. Okay. okay. Yeah, so for the kits I liked, uh, my first one was Bradford City. Just because I think it looks nice. I like the orange and black on the third uniform. The first uniform, eh, it could be a bit better. But the second uniform is really nice. I we like we are only doing home kits. So just the first one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I still like the first one uh, for yeah. Bradford City. Uh, my second one was Port Vale, I think. Port Vale. Yeah, I mean, it's just... basic, but it works. The sponsor's a bit big on the front, but, you know, mm. black and white works as a kit. I think it's fine. Um, Port Vale do have a good history of kits, to be honest. Yeah, uh, Ultimate Athletic was quite nice. 
I I like mm. the kind of the whole, arrows on things. I especially like it on the shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, blue and white works together mm. as a good color scheme. My, my only issue with Oldham is that the logo is ridiculously bad. Yeah, that's not great. But, the the logo know, is of the primary school. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can't complain and with Leeds and Skirt. Uh, Northampton Town was also quite nice. Yeah, Again, um, Nike. I, I tend sorry. to favor just kind of simpler, bolder colors. Yeah, you know, just I've, I've started to get that idea, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, Bradford, Port Vale, um, Oldham and Northampton. Yep. Yeah, means I've got all my, all my ones correct. Okay, Javi. Um, I've kits. gone for a mixture of uh, bold and just plain, effectively. So I've gone for, for my bold ones. I've gone for Forest Green's home one. Yes, I just think that's mad. It's it is mad brilliant. and brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the other mad one that I think is actually quite a modern and stylish kit is Salford's. I yep. actually think it very much represents them well as a club. You know, that sort of new upcoming thing. Mm. Let's go for a modern kit rather than something classic don't like how it's sponsored by sky super six but then again mm. you know that's because that's the people that own the club so obviously yeah. it's gonna be sponsored by them um the other two kits i went for was uh leighton orient i quite like that one i i the reason why i liked it is actually it's plain red which you go and it's new balance and there's nothing really to it but if you look carefully you can really mainly see it on the away kit but it's represented on the home kit as well Hmm. It has sort of a chevron pattern down it. Subtle, yeah. and I quite yeah. like that. It is very nice. It does have a um, sun sponsorship on it, though. I know. That's my it's issue a simple with it. and basic one. It doesn't yeah. really... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's it, 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 it's, it's got the mix of basic and simple, but also nice and trying. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other kit that I went for was the Northampton one. Um, yep. I think that just it just looks standard, but very nice, very effective as it mm. is. Um, mm. And obviously, Scotty Pollock from Hashtag United Days playing there now. And I just, yeah, I okay. just really like that kit. Burgundy, it works well. Yeah, and finally, Josh. I don't say, um, it's quite nice, isn't it? It's quite classy. Um, for myself, I've gone for the uh, Swindon kit as first. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's um, for similar reasons. You know, it's it might seem basic, but it's sort of got a very classic feel to it. Um, it's quite sort of clean lines quite like it yeah it's, it's also um, got the um yeah. pattern which i can't describe but it's it's a it's a nice pattern and it's subtle yeah. enough that it's not distracting yeah very much unlike so. their third kit yeah that's that <laughs> third kit <laughs> jesus christ that third mercy kit. or then plymouth second i think um fails yeah plymouth second kit is yeah. one of the worst in the country yeah I mean, but we'll go on to that if we ever do a way anything that has ginsters as the sponsor has got to do well <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, ironically enough, my second pick is uh, Plymouth. Um, the thankfully, I'm not judging the second kit, but um, yeah, I just think the the green, the dark green, and the white works really, really well. Uh, it, it looks nice. It's quite aesthetically good. And mm. uh, as you talk about the Ginsters, actually, I do think that's one of the kits where the sponsor works. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, Agreed. Uh, it's quite mm. nice. Uh, thirdly, uh, Crew Alexander. Mm. Um, it's so. Did you? Did you? Say something to me. Did you just say Alexander? Uh, Nobody but my mum calls me by my full name. <laughs> Only when she's angry with you, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't quite know. Again, I think I've gone for a lot mm. of ones which are just classic and look. There's yeah. not an awful lot of over detail to it. Yeah. yeah. Cruise kit last year was one of the nicest in the country. I think it made my final four. 
It was really nice. Um, so yeah, Crew Alexandra. And finally, Bradford. I agree with Bradford, Will. It's yeah. um, I've always been a fan of the kit, uh, the colour scheme. It's uh, it, it just it just yeah, aesthetically aesthetically good. It's not. Um, whilst I did like Forest Green, I'm just sort of naturally a fan of kits which aren't sort of out there that are just classic with a good colour scheme. Not that look good, so yeah. So, but yeah, no. Uh, you do not diss the green zebras. I haven't dissed it at all, just... Uh... <laughs> right, so um, at the end of the best kit vote, um, four kits did receive two votes each, and therefore they will all be advancing. Um, Bradford City, Northampton, Forest Green, and Salford. So, with that in mind, and um, I, I will say it before, there are two kits that have been nominated in both lists, so I'm going to start first. <laughs> Actually, we'll get one out of the way, because one got a unanimous vote. All of us said... But the Stevenage kit is awful. <laughs> that is <laughs> atrocious. It's terrible on the See, screen ooh. and it's terrible in real life. Yeah. So here's yeah. the thing about Macron. is that when they go for simple kits, they're really nice. Uh, however, Macron have this thing where they really want to try hard and they really want to push the boat out and they really want to do different and new. And whenever Macron try different and new, it goes horribly wrong. And this is what is seen with the Stevenage home kit. Because it's another Macron try too hard design. Last year's kit was bad. The ABC before's kit was bad. This kit is the worst of them all. I don't have I just, the logo's Burger King. It stands out. Like yeah, no, it just it's stamped on like the logo for Burger King is just stamped onto the uniform. It's yeah. ridiculous. Also, the second and third kits are ugly. I don't know what's going on with that third it kit. It looks like they're going back to kindergarten. Yeah. yeah, it's terrible. I mean, it's a charity kit, and it looks bad. It oh, look, yeah. No, it looks like the packaging for some washing detergent. Yeah. I mean, That's yes. what I get. Honestly, yes. I saw the Stevenage home kit and I thought that is the uniform they wear at Burger King. Yeah. Not a football <laughs> kit. You know? yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> really, truly awful. So yeah, the unanimous vote for Stevenage. I wondered if we'd get that. We got it immediately. Um, my other um, selection for worst kit is Cheltenham. And the reason why is that you've got to incorporate your logo effectively it, it doesn't uh no, it, it it's it's really just awfully brandish the the lines fade away and you know i don't like things fading on kits it's just awful it looks like it's like something's gone wrong when they've made it like there's been an ever with whatever prints out the kit it does look like a very b-tech stoke city kit as well yeah that too and it's a shame because shannon had some really good kits over the years i remember their away kit back in 2011 12 was absolutely gorgeous but, um, yeah, this is just a, not a nice kit. So, therefore, I've put it in. So, uh, we'll go with Will next. We'll go with Amber Room, um, like we did last yeah. time. Yeah, uh, my next kit was Exeter City. Yeah. I know. This is bad. <laughs> like, okay, just... so the red and white Ooh. would work if it wasn't for that giant purple flybee logo yeah. stamped right in the Fly middle of their Flybee. chest. It's not well integrated, is it? No, no it's it very much not well integrated. Form. And then the black trousers and the 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 kind of barrel-hooped black and white socks, just, it's a weird yeah. contrast, because the, mm. the, the stripes on the top are vertical, whereas the stripes on the socks are horizontal, and just the clash of colours, and yeah. it, it's bad. That's it, it's, and that second kit one. isn't much mm. better either. It's That's really weird, one. though. Yeah, it's really weird, though, because they've had the Flybee sponsorship for quite some time now. Wow, for a very long time. Since um, 2003. And they've never had this problem before. It's only this year that this logo has become so standout awful. Why hasn't Flybee yeah. collapsed as well? Yeah, well, that it's from the start of the year, yeah. hasn't it? 
Um, I, don't, anyway. I don't mind a second kit. I find that right. Let's let's get ready for an argument, Harvey. What's yes. your other kit? Mansfield. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I looked at that kit and I just think it just doesn't it's work. Chevron. It's it's that surprising because the a the Chevron I mean, is lovely and b it's a rugby kit. It's just I mean, a rugby kit. And it's a nice I mean, rugby kit. I'm gonna have a look at it in uh, Google Images. Just to get, just to confirm my suspicions. It really is rugby kit, isn't it? That's really just now. It reminds me of one the Leeds Rhinos had, which is probably why I've ranked it highly. It's probably why you like it, but it's like, it's It's a nice kit. Their previous kit where they had that sort of dip fade at the end, which obviously... Oh, no, that's awful. That that was nominated for worst kit last year. I'm not sure how it comes out um, in real life, but I feel like a darker shade of orange... Or amber would mm, do yeah, the world of good. I mean, um, I, the one thing that annoys me with it is the insurance on the sponsor, yeah. which is red. Which I don't I know, like, do their not like. second kit looks amazing. If you look at it in, oh yeah, Google it's Limited. lovely. Yeah, it looks really good. Mm. But I just thought the clash of colours is just a bit. Ugh. Yeah, and but it's, it's Mansfield's like historic kit. And hang on, were you just not saying talking about Shrewsbury's? Because that's the exact same colours. Yeah, well, we're more I dominant on the blue, obviously. It. I thought they incorporated it. Oh, we'll get on to buying the League 2 heats anyway. So Better. yours is yeah. Mansfield. Josh, um, Will's is Exeter. Josh's is... Salford City. Yep, Salford oh, you're City. You're a Man United fan, that's probably why. Now, <laughs> now for the record, um, we can't have Salford nominated for worst kit because we're already in best kit. Um, yeah. They've already got nomination. I, I think my, my logic here has come out of... I don't know how it looks in person, but I think just on the screen, yeah, that, it, the fade towards the bottom, mm, it I'm doesn't, just not a fan of it. Yeah, it doesn't do it justice. It does look a lot better in real life. And I remember Fair seeing enough, it yeah. when they played, weirdly enough, Stevenage on the opening day. And just remember looking at it going, yeah, so that's really nice, that. Because it, it, yeah, it doesn't do it justice, in all fairness. Um, Fair enough. Does that mean we're going to have to agree on another kit? Right, so yeah, I'm going to... Um, uh, if if not voting for mine, I'm going to vote for Exeter because I do think Exeter's kit is dreadful. Uh, I I will I will not second it, third it then. Okay. The the, yeah. uh, the purple on the the white and reds. It, no. Yeah. I mean, and, honestly, yeah. the designers should be taken out back and shot just for that alone. <laughs> yeah. Hoops and stripes together on a kit is like wow. you know kindergarten level mistake. It, on it's kit design. Yeah, it's not nice. Um. Jones. So That's yeah, um, so the final two kits nominated from um, League Two for worst then are Stevenage, obviously, and Exeter. And by the way, that second kit does not get any better for I Exeter it. City. I was put no, it it's not. Kits. No, it is wanted, not. Wanted, yellow wanted, and purple, like a bright so yellow ugly. and purple is bad. And just like the fade in from the trousers, it looks like there's an infection in their legs and it's spreading up. Yeah. <laughs> It's Did so you ever ugly. have those uh, animations on PowerPoint when you were in, like, year six and you'd have the really dodgy fades yeah. that people yeah. would come in? Yeah, it's no, like the, I think the worst like thing as well like is that it extends in solid stripes up the side of the shirt. Yeah. Like the purple. It's so Why sloppy. does it do that? Ha- have it, it looks no. like a bucket. No. I mean, no. the other one which you said which was quite good is Newport. Newport is look at gorgeous. It. It's interesting, this one, because yeah, it looks like I'm a honeycomb. I'm not a fan of that either. It doesn't look like a honeycomb in real life. It's zigzags. Where does it? Yeah. I'll yeah. be honest, yeah. it's mostly no, with I'm, no I'm sponsor. And any kit with no sponsor mm. is automatically better than any kit without yeah. Paddy Power or with a sponsor. With no, well, with no yeah. Front. 
they didn't do the weird sash thing for Newport. They must be so gutted. Um, yeah. Anyway, so final um, picks then: Bradford, um, Northampton, uh, Forest Green, and Salford for best kit, and um, Cheltenham. No, sorry, not Cheltenham. Um, Exeter and Stevenage for worst kits. Okay, it's time to move on to news in brief, and I'll start with American football in brief. Joe Burrow, the prospective number one pick in the NFL draft, has said he has never had a losing season in his life since he was five. He added, quote, I'm not a loser, end quote. That was the first time for everything, isn't that, Joe? Um, The Saints have been working to identify ticket brokers who were buying season tickets and selling the tickets to every single game. When they've found one, the team have revoked the tickets and are offering them to people on the waiting list. Um, New Orleans Saints said they wanted Saints fans in affordable seats and I absolutely commend them for doing so. Kirk Cousins says games without fans would be, quote, refreshing, end quote. Not a surprise, they all boo him. According yeah. to Pro Football Talk, Rams quarterback Jared Goff is willing to reduce his $36 million cap number via the kind of restructuring that doesn't reduce his take-home pay. It's nice for him, and to be honest, if I was him, I wouldn't be asking for my take-home pay to be reduced either, because it was the Rams' mistake. Um, at least Arsenal might get a bit more um, fund in the transfer kitty um, later on. And Leonard Fournette has been campaigning for the Jaguars to sign Cam Newton, which is not a surprise in any way, shape or form. Association football in brief. Yeah, so over to proper football now. Uh, Boo! <laughs> it's just proper football. It's not proper football. The other football. one's just rugby for people who don't like scrums. Anyway, Jurgen Klopp and I Jordan disagree. Henson delivered video tributes on the 31st anniversary of the Hillsborough disaster on Wednesday. Yeah, and Dixon Etahu, formerly of Manchester City, Sunderland, Preston, Fulham and others, has been handed a five-year ban in Sweden for match-fixing. What a, what a guy. Um, he's avoided a prison sentence, though, um, apparently. Oh, how nice. According to The Guardian. Uh, yeah, um, he was found, just further on, that he was guilty of attempting to fix a match between um, Gothenburg and AIK. So, wow. um, back in 2017. Which I know, big game um, for mm. all of us over here. I've been watching Swedish football a lot. Then again, you never know, I might get that desperate. Um, other news in brief, um uh, Carl Larson has now been fined, uh, fired by his team. Sorry, not just fined, but fired by his team and dropped by sponsors for uh, racist language on... What was it? Was it on a stream? It was, yeah, it was on the um, NASCAR e-stream. Yeah, it was NASCAR he, um, e-sports. He used a word beginning with N. Oh, did he? Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. And no, I do not so mean nose cone. Oh. Oh, dear. Or NASCAR. Which, to me, is offensive. <laughs> And, or Pastor Naldonado. Naldonado. <laughs> anyway, and the other news in brief from the other area. Nick Heidfeld. Is Ticketmaster have changed their policy and will no longer be refunding MLB games. They seem nice. They seem very nice. That's they should go under. Off them. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, let's move on to On This Day then. Sure. So, uh, on this day in 1942, in the Stanley Cup final, the Toronto Maple Leafs win the cup after beating the Detroit Red Wings 3-1 in Game 7 for a 4-3 series win, completing a reverse sweep of Detroit. Well done, Red Wings. In 1946, Jackie Robinson debuts as second baseman for the Montreal Royals. In 1950, the New York Yankees win 15-10 after trailing the Red Sox 9-0 in the sixth. The Yankees would go on to win the World Series at the end of the year. I wonder what that feels like. (laughs) In 1962, in the 16th NBA Finals, the Boston Celtics beat the 
LA Lakers four games to three, it would be the fourth of eight straight NBA titles for the Celtics. In 1966, Bill Russell became the first African-American coach in the NBA as he takes over the Boston Celtics. In his three years coaching the Celtics, Russell won another two NBA titles. Because he just didn't have enough, did he? In 1968, the first ABA championship begins. The first game is the Pittsburgh Pipers beat the New Orleans Buccaneers 120-112. to 1971 at the Spanish Grand Prix. Slick tyres are used for the first time, but Jackie Stewart wins in the Terrell without the use of them. In 1981, the longest game in professional baseball starts. The Portucket Red Sox tie the Rochester Red Wings 2 all in 32 innings. Good God. The game had to be stopped and was resumed and finished on June 23rd. In 1995, Joe Montana retired from professional football. The 49ers and Chiefs quarterback won four Super Bowls and two MVPs. In 1998, the NFL draft is held. The Indianapolis Colts take Peyton Manning quarterback with the first overall pick, and the San Diego Chargers take quarterback Ryan Leaf second. The moment would become infamous for the massively different career arcs of the two players, despite fans being split between the two before the draft. And if you can, there's a YouTube video on um, the decision between um, Manning and Leaf um, and the build-up before the draft and what happened after. I can't remember what it's called, but I think it's by NFL Films. It's very good. In 1999, Wayne Gretzky played his last game in the NHL. His New York Rangers lost 2-1 to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Ha. In 2008, NBA owners give approval of a potential Seattle Supersonics relocation to Oklahoma City in a 28-2 vote by the Board of Governors. I hate you. <laughs> uh, in 2014, uh, Wolves beat Rotherham 6-4 in League One. Both Nuadiko and Kieran Agard score hat-tricks, and there were four goals in the final 12 minutes. Rotherham thought they would get a point through goals from Joe Scars and Agard in the 84th and 88 minutes, but two goals in added time from Sam Ricketts and Kevin McDonald sealed the game for Wolves. Wolves went up as champions while Rotherham got promoted in the playoff finals. This game also confirmed promotion for Brentford. Who was at this game? I was. Oh, nice. It was mental. It's yeah, madness. I can absolutely Brilliant. imagine. Wow. Uh, I thought anyway. it, I thought it was Sam Ricketts. I, was, I kept wanting to say Michael Ricketts, and I was like, it's definitely not Michael Ricketts. It's definitely not. Um, yeah, so thank you anyway. for filling that in. Yeah, and in 2017, Real Madrid beat Bayern Munich 4-2 in the Champions League quarterfinals. Real get three goals in extra time to advance 6-3 on aggregate, but calls from the referee clouded their victory. Real would go on to win the Champions League for the second of three straight times and the 12th time in total at the end of the campaign. Yeah, um, I'll be honest, I was watching it back yesterday, there were a few really dodged decisions with the game. I think it won all at the time, or um, in Bynes, slightly in Bynes, it might have been 2-1. Um, mm, yeah, I, I would not have been happy with as a Bayern Munich fan, but um, considering that I am a Leeds fan, I am not going to get sad at Bayern Munich being cheated in a Champions League game. <laughs> now you know how it feels! <laughs> Um, not, yeah, I'm yeah. the same with Barcelona. Not be bitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, drug be used. It's a disgrace or something. Yeah. Like it's a disgrace. <laughs> right. uh, anyway, two-minute drill and um, one rule change for soccer. Uh, I'd go for um, a bit like in rugby, time off, time on, time off. Yeah. So the players cannot waste time like they do. They allow each player to throw the ball one time a game. 
allow allow each player to punch the ref on one occasion for half a season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one fitting for now. Um, once a season reaches its halfway point, if it has to be cancelled for any reason, the results are final. Or go off a points per game basis. Yeah, I mean, to be honest. Yeah. Or you just read my solution, which of course is the best, the best in all yeah, this time. Absolutely. I did write about that before, by the way, Harvey. Yes, I know. Okay, just I just wanted to see if you knew, because you, at first you're like, oh, eat your words, Alex. I was like, literally wrote the same thing. Um, anyway, Hanoi or Zanfort? Hanoi. Uh, it's Hanoi, Harvey. The answer's Hanoi. I've not looked the, at uh, Hanoi the other day. Hanoi it's... just looks like a really, really sort of set-up track to overtake every single opportunity. Isn't that a good thing? Zanfort yeah, looks want... like you can't overtake anywhere. You don't want it to be too difficult. That's my point, though. I so do. You don't want it to be too easy. Sometimes it's too easy. You want there to be some struggle. Yeah. Some strife on the track. Um, it's why, like, you know, Silverstone's so good. It's a really hard track to overtake. But you can. There are plenty of opportunities to. You just have to be a very good driver. And that's what I like to see. You're really testing the drivers. Um, mm. You know, passes through uh, maggots and beckets. That's always great to see. Like yeah. uh, Leclerc and Verstappen last year. But um, we'll see what Hanoi does. Street races are always going to be fun, so it could be utter carnage. Mm. Very hot weather. That would be terrible for tyres. As Jolene so... Palmer says, you have to be alert on a street circuit. Oh, Jolene Palmer. <laughs> the source uh, of all wisdom. Yes. Obviously. Yeah. Before immediately oh. crashing on a street circuit. Right, Josh, Hanoi or Zanfort? Uh, I'm going to go with Hanoi. Um, although I do quite like the banking they've done uh, yeah, yeah. oh yeah that's fantastic although you do think uh, especially on one embankment aren't people just going to fly off the end of that it's some of the uh, safety stuff terrifying. there looks a yeah, little bit out. yeah yeah I'm just, I'm just the front wings just going to just stick straight into the ground yeah. or something yeah i am just very i am really really interested to see how that actually plays out in proper race conditions it's going to be so exciting yeah okay so uh, the best name for a seattle nhl team See, I'll be honest, at first I said Maviners, and then I was like, oh, there's already a Maviners. I know that. Fishermen. No, that's Fish Sticks. Um, yes. South Park. Um, or do you know what? I'm going to um, probably take more time to think about this, and then I'll write an article on it, which you will be able to find on the sportsplitsblog.wordpress.com. It'll literally just be the team name. Um Mm, yeah, I don't know because you have to have something related. You have to have something related to the fact it's rainy and dreadful in Seattle all the time, which is why hockey is a good. Uh, yeah, it has, good to begin, place for it has to begin with S, doesn't it? Because it's Seattle. I oh, know what are they called? No, Seahawks for foul, uh, and the Sounders. So the Mariners. No, what about the, the Mar- What about the Mariners? Yeah, but it's um, begin with S. Yeah, but it's a better name than the Seagulls. Anyway, next question. Sorry, favourite soccer kits, not from the English top four tiers. Um, my personal two favourites this year are St. Pauli's away kit and Chalker's home kit. Of course St. Pauli. Yes. So St. Pauli's everything. The goalkeeper kit is literally just pink. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> um, I'm currently looking around Europe at good kits. Uh, I've, I've always to... liked Dortmund's. What if they yeah, Dortmund's uh, is uh, nice. Oh, Inter Milan. Yeah. Inter Milan. Oh, yeah, this year, it's very nice, yeah. It's Inter Milan or Inter Miami or Celtic. Yeah, that's fair. I like Inter Miami. I like LAFCs as well. LAFC always do good kits as well. I always quite like NYCFC. Um, Ironically, I touch the City group, but 
it's not a bad kit. It's not a bad kit. First time I saw Jack Harrison rip it up. And finally, how long are we going to keep stretching this show out for? Till the end of time. Well, it's been about two hours now. Yeah, so... it feels like it as well. And that's all the time we have on today's Sports Blitz. Thank you for listening. My thanks go to Harry, Josh and Will for joining me. The intro and end music for the Sports Blitz was provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. We're back on University Radio York on Tuesday at 6pm. Until then, I've been Alex Woodward, and don't just have a good weekend. Like the best play in NFL history, have an immaculate one. Goodbye. <laughs>